This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name is Kirsten Longbottom, and I'm joined by EPFR's economist, Cameron Brandt. We'll walk you through what our teams were monitoring last week in the data EPFR tracks, as well as what we will look for in the upcoming weeks. Cam, good morning. I heard you were successful catching salmon over in Ireland last week. Um, Yes, I, I wouldn't call two salmon in the course of a week. Uh, an outstanding <laughs> success, but um, uh, it was it was better, as they say, than poking the eye with a blunt stick. Uh, and uh, I had a lot of fun trying to catch them. Um, I'm one of the few tourists who goes abroad hoping that it will rain, uh, which happened a little bit. So uh, I count myself fortunate that I didn't return with a suntan, which is frequently my fate on these fishing trips. (laughs) So um, in the recent weeks, there have been a lot of talk about energy shocks, um, inflation and central bank tightening. How did this play out this week? Yeah, well, that's certainly been uh, cranking out the column inches. Uh, there's a lot of talk of stagflation, the, the situation where you get lackluster growth, uh, but still get pretty high levels of inflation. Uh, and obviously, the, the one that is in the back of most people's minds is, is, is the, the oil shock Uh uh, about triggered in the 1970s when um, the, pet, the, the what is now OPEC realized that they didn't just have to keep selling their oil <laughs> to us on our terms and uh, tighten supply in a way that really uh, jolted everyone. Um, you know, there's certainly the flows showed some signs that uh, inflation is on people's minds, but uh, I will I will say. You know the the sort of investor group we track uh, has uh, been pretty uncomfortable with the uh, transitory narrative for a long time. Um, we saw flows into inflation protected bond funds really pick up uh, late in the second quarter of last year, and they've really never stopped. There's only been, uh, I think weekly outflows since, and one of them was triggered by uh, the UK moving the goalpost on on their measurement of inflation. Um, so, uh, you know, a, a fair, fairly high level of anticipated inflation, I think, has been embedded in a lot of uh, investment decisions until recently. Uh, that said, however, the markets... Uh, while they're, I think, looking for central bank action and awareness, um, you know, they're a, a classic case of be careful what you wish for. Uh, Norway central bank uh, earned itself the dubious honor of being the first major developed central bank to hike rates the other week. Uh, and uh, you know, redemptions from Norway bond funds promptly hit a 31-week high. So, um, you know, there's definitely discomfort 
with the balance between inflation getting out of hand and the degree of tightening at a, an early stage in the global recovery that might be needed to rein it in. But uh, you know what we saw again was in some ways there's so many things to w- potentially worry about right now that uh, you know in in some some cases uh, the overarching narrative for the flows is that uh, investors are just putting their head down and walking into the wind. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, until some of these themes really coalesce and, and people can get a sense of which will be the dominant and how to respond, um, it's fairly hard to really make a coherent allocations decision. So what we've been seeing a lot since the summer, uh, you know, is broadly positive flows. And as you drill into them, it's sort of more tactical and strategic, um, you know, often changing a lot week to week. So going back to the energy, um, last time we saw that an energy shock was the factor that triggered inflation. Is that the same story here? It's certainly uh, keeping concerns about just how high and how sustained inflation will be um, at a a serious level. Energy, even though we've gotten an awful lot better at using it, uh, is still integral to pretty much uh, all of our economic activity. Um, and, uh, you know, again, uh, you know, if you'd followed our sector flows data, you know, even when oil prices were crushed and sort of driven almost <laughs> to zero by some measures uh, in the immediate aftermath of the pandemic, investors were betting that they would bounce back as demand recovered. Um, that demand has recovered into a, a slightly unusual historical situation. Uh, ESG uh, is really kind of uh, now a major force in policy decisions. So the natural tendency uh, of producers to dial back on capex has been compounded by, you know, active discouragement uh, at the national level. So there's much tighter supplies that is also compounded by uh, difficulties getting uh, energy products from A to B because uh, everyone wants a chunk of the available shipping. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in Europe's case, there are some sort of complicated storage issues and um, a, a another storyline uh, around how they get their shipments of natural gas from uh, the Russian Federation. Um, the, there is, as most people know, uh, another pipeline that bypasses the Ukraine and Poland, uh, which Russia is <clears throat> very anxious to see come into play. Um, and uh, while it uh, stoutly denies any sort of political maneuvering. Um, there has certainly we've certainly not seen uh, the top-up flows that usually come into Europe from Russia during the summer. Uh, this go around, leaving Europe going into the winter with unusually low inventories. Um, 
So, um, you know, it's not a, a big coordinated shock uh, in the way that the uh, oil shock was when a, a, a status quo comfortable assumption that uh, the petro states would just keep shipping us oil at a nice cheap price <laughs> forever um, got stood on its head. Um, it's more a series of mini shocks. Uh, so um, it's less of a sweeping process, uh, but very real for all that. Um, and the risk is always that uh, if the higher than anticipated uh, price growth goes on for too long, then people start agitating for higher wages, um, uh, uh, producers do feel they can no longer absorb some of the higher costs and pass them on to the consumer, and you get uh, you know, a wage price spiral that, that entrenches uh, inflation at much higher levels. So not only in the UK are we seeing kind of an energy crisis, it's also in the US and I believe in China as well. Yeah, I think uh, more so, much more so in China uh, than the the U.S. Um, and again, uh, in China's case, it's much more uh, a, a number of issues sort of coalescing into a tough situation. Um, you know, China has been importing less coal in part because relations with one of its major suppliers, Australia, has been pretty frosty recently. Um, but uh, the, you know they have been trying to um, clean up their atmosphere, not really to meet any sort of U.S. ESG goals, but because they they really need to. Um, so, and of course, demand there has picked up somewhat more sharply uh, than was expected. So. Um, you know, the, the, they can, I think, fairly rapidly deal with that uh, deficit, uh, but it does mean burning more coal, which uh, obviously is uh, uh, a less comfortable resort uh, than it has been in the past. So out of the other sector fund groups, um, we also saw technology with a big inflow this week um, among 10 other groups that we track out of the 11. What's the story there? I think um, the story there is that uh, given recent history with the, the tremendous amounts of market liquidity, the, you know, there's a, a tendency for investors until proven otherwise to see any kind of sell-off as a buying opportunity, a chance to get into something that will eventually keep moving higher. Um, and, uh, you know, my sense is that that is what went on there. There's also, this is the week when you tend to get uh, end, end of quarter window dressing, um, some managers tr try to make sure that uh, their portfolio has a decent representation of the best performing sectors, even if they acquired them pretty late uh, in the game. And there's also positioning for uh, the never-ending treadmill of corporate uh, earnings season. So, you know, in about 10 days now, the third quarter earnings season 
um, will fire up. Um, you know, I think in the case of financials, for instance, people are financial sector leaders there did, I think, a pretty good job of talking down their prospects in the second half of the year. Um, uh, may have done almost too good a job. So I think uh, investors see some opportunity there to capture a, b- a bounce when the Morgan Stanleys and Goldman Sachs is, do start releasing their earnings. Great. Look forward to chatting next week on what's happening. Right. We'll see what, what other sort of strange and alarming factors are thrown into the bubbling pot. Great. Good. Enjoy the weekends. You too. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange podcast. For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.com slash podcast. 